and welcome to Upstage Downstage. With me, Richard Platt, seated in the upper circle. And me, Stephen Rees, uh, seated in a cheap seat. This is the Theatre Podcast, where we discuss productions we've seen, things we've liked and may not have liked, giving our complete unprofessional and non-biased opinions. So grab a brew, take a seat and let's raise that curtain. saw this touring production at the Leicester Curve on the 29th of April 2022. This play, written by Harold Pinter, premiered in 1965 at the Alderich Theatre London. So Richard, what's it all about? Teddy, a professor in an American university, returns to his childhood home accompanied by his wife, Ruth, to find his father, uncle and brothers still living there. In the subsequent series of encounters, Life becomes a barely camouflaged battle for power and sexual supremacy, fought out with taut verbal brutality. So with all that said, let's set set the scene. scene. So Richard, what was your first impressions of the set and the layout of this uh, production that we saw? Well, at first you walked into an auditorium that literally had the curtains closed. So you weren't allowed, in a way, to see the set until... Yeah, there was the no production peeping. started, no, no peeping, peeping at all. No, no, not allowed. Um, and I think that helped sort of... It, gave you, it put you in the sense of the unknown. You didn't know what you were going to see until the actual revealed. production yes. started. Traditionally, I mean, a lot of theatre now, they use a lot of open stage, open curtain, mm. preset where you walk into a room where there's already the set, set in the scene, as it were, and you didn't have that in this production. And I think that sort of lent it very much to a, a pinter production, shall we say, where it held back until you needed to see the set. And then when we did see the set, I was bowled over. This was a stunning set. This was one of the best sets I've seen for one that didn't change around. Yes. It was just a static set of one place, one time frame. It was static. Very classic. It was very classic, but it was also very imposing. Mm. The set seemed to be enhanced in such a way where the staircase at the back of the stage, you were you were basically presented with a front room in a grand house in London, a, a Victorian townhouse. And yeah, they'd taken the wall out, didn't yes. they? So it was like yes. the, the hallway and the lounge in one. Definitely, basically. yeah. So, but, and, uh, but you'd got a staircase at the back that led up to the, the upstairs. It's never the, ending. You're never ending, but yeah. it was just exaggerated that little mm. bit more so it felt like the entire stage was the room, including the back of the stage, which is literally one whole wall with wallpaper disappearing off up into the, st- yeah, the, st- elongated the top of the stage. All, all the way up to the rafters. And like you say, with, with the staircase, they made full use of that staircase for those particular scenes, which we'll talk about later, yeah. uh, which encom- encompassed the pauses of yes. a typical pinter play as well and the, yeah. they're, they're capturing the essence of the, the drama and the suspense yeah and one thing you couldn't see a uh, step coming down yeah and one thing you couldn't see was the actual the front door no even though there was a front door built and it was made and it had stained glass in it you never saw it on stage but on on exiting the theater we sort of got a glimpse into the back of the stage and you could see the actual stained glass windowed front door was was all built and actually was used all the way through the production, and just had the elements of a yeah. Um, it was a, it was a post Second World War, wasn't it? But it first oh, World War. 
I was going to say. Post, post First World War, that's it. Because they were talking about Late somebody didn't go into war. Yes. That's it, yeah. So it's got the furniture of the sideboards being that um, Art Deco ish. Very 20s, 30s, sort of 20s, 30s crossover, really. Yeah. It's a sort of... Everything on stage was utilised or it held a purpose. So the drinks cabinet had uh, drinks in the cupboards and also it's where they put the tea caddy and the, the cups and it held a light and on the other end you had the stereo the radio yeah uh, that held that along with the lamp radio and, and the gramophone basically it was a built-in record gramophone yeah. within the radio you had um a sofa and then you had a chair and then you had uh, two chairs and a table and at the back you had a dresser yeah where... it, was a, it was an upright sort of cloak room <clears throat> yes put their hats and their coats so so basically this set only had what it needed to have it there was no clutter no it was and, simple and stylish and just stage right you had a, a window that was just offset into the into the actual scenery yeah which would have uh, been the main living room window yeah window. and yeah, yeah on the on the then stage left you had a um just a pair of double doors that would open into the Dining next room. room. Yeah. yeah, so it sort of led you in to believe the room was bigger than just this one room. You felt like you were part, it's a part of a house rather than just that room. How did you feel the space was used for the scene changes and everything else? Oh, do you know what we we need to mention? The beginning of the play, there was a humming. There yes. was a, um, well, at first there was the some music that was very nineteen twenties thirties playing. And yes. then all of a sudden, yes, it, stopped, it changed. It? And then there was this humming, and I, I wasn't sure if they were grinding coffee beans in the cafe. It or was almost factory or machine noise, or you yeah, know, it was the, a, mm, constant it, like that. And then it got louder, progressively louder throughout the as people were sitting down. Yeah, then in the, the, the lights sort went of down, yeah. the curtains open. It was all dark, and then. Bang. Bang! There was a definite change of the, the sound effects. Basically, created this like shock element where you had to then focus on stage. And it did that for the second act as well. Yeah, and it so also did that. that throughout scene changes. Yeah, which had that sort of shocking element to to almost keep you engaged. And the good thing about the scene changes I found was they did it quickly. Yes, lights off. An actor moved into position within the matter of seconds, and then bang, lights back up again. There was no faffing about. No, no frailing, but, looking for where no. I need to be or whatever. It but was there like was almost in the moment, bang, bang, bang. They, were, they almost mm. used it to focus on a certain character at a certain position. Yeah, to emphasize so that there scene. was one part of the sort of scene change where people walked off to where they needed to be, mm. but then there was another little blip of where they focused on somebody yes. to then draw focus to the next next part of the, the part of the scene. Yes, and nobody, even though the set was grand and large. It did not feel at all in any way, shape or form that the actors, whoever it may have been in each scene, if it was a one person, two people or three, it, it never felt as if they were lost on stage. No. They felt that they it might have just been stage presence that they had, but it didn't feel as if it was too big for them. You felt like they lived there. You felt like it was their space and it felt lived in and it was their house, you know, and I think that and they didn't there was no hesitancy on where to walk on stage it was like they knew every every inch of that stage i'd also say with the tone and the colors of the set it was very much like a a dull 
not a dark green, but a dull greenish bluish. It, it, the set looked murky and cold. It made the impression like it wasn't inviting. It wasn't a warm place, but I think that is symbolic for the kind of characters and the place that it was and that they lived in it, it was, was very a, cold like you wouldn't want to be there or why would you be there and i think that but it was a very male environment as well the way they lived you could tell there was a lot of men lived in that building where they didn't have the woman's touch in a way yeah, there was their, no because there was talk of like no mother element anymore so whilst watching um this pinter play uh, i knew his style um because i'd uh read up and studied um, the caretaker and uh, the birthday party that he's done and so i knew exactly what i was expecting but i'm not quite sure it was felt amongst a lot of the audience because i'm not sure a lot of the audiences came back for the second act but this is typical the way it was done was true to the pinter feel and the the, the kind of um, show that you're going to see with, with the, the the kind of uh, how it was executed was to the letter they filled in the pauses specifically and whilst we've seen a play where they've utilized pauses and it looked amateurish and like they um, forgot the lines when they utilize the pauses for this for a, a pinter production you know there's a reason why they've paused and they for the actor was then to find out why and how to generate that reaction to those pauses but also through viewing this I wasn't quite sure what it was about because I didn't do any research. No. I, didn't, I haven't read it. I haven't personally. So I was trying to work out what was the point of them being there? What did they want? Mm. What, what was their needs? And it didn't occur to me until the very end that this whole piece, I don't know what else uh, has been written about it, but it seemed to me like this was about the homecoming of not the characters, uh, Teddy and Ruth coming home, but the coming home of a matriarchal figure. Yeah. yeah. The, the female, because they're missing the mother. Yeah. They're missing um, the wives and the girlfriends. They don't have that. No. Nope. Whatever. And when it finished and she sat down on in that chair, they all had a reason or it symbolised their connection to a female in the house or, or the matriarch. So yeah. the father, played by Keith Allen, Max, he was... Um, pleading with Ruth in a way where you could picture him pleading with his wife and uh, the uncle was dead on the floor so does that mean he was dead to the wife who yeah. passed on if you know what I mean yeah and um, Joey was um, lent over her knees in a sort of a, a mothering way like yeah. a childlike figure yeah whereas like that the... Lenny was stood over by her side watching over her in a protective way definitely and, and that symbolized probably their relationship the mother that isn't there. Yeah, exactly. And by it was, this new lady coming in. It was like, I mean, I also picked up on the writing where I think that a lot of the sons were products of more than one male. So they've never had, a, apart from that mother that's now left them, they've never had a true sort of relationship with other people in their lives. They needed that matriarch at home. You touched on people apparently leaving in the, in the interval. I mean, that may be down to people wanting to see Matthew Horne in a comedic role because of the Catherine Tate side of, mm. of, of his acting and the things he's done in, the, in yeah, on comedy Corden with, with, and, with James uh, Corden as well and Gavin and Stacey. So, so that may have contributed to why they left because it wasn't a production. It, that it, it had fun, funny it was, moments. Yes, it's not a comedy. It wasn't a comedy. It's not a farce. It wasn't a production that very much... It was situational comedy but the comedy was in the writing but there was a lot of build-up and there was, it was there was more drama in it it wasn't every second there was a comedy moment or it was you won't roll about laughing it was part of the play oh I, I i wouldn't say this was in any way a situational comedy i think the comedy arrived from 
the characters rather than the situation. Yeah. But it wasn't solely for the purpose of it being comedy. This was very much like the set depicted. It made me feel like cold and not wanting to be there. And I think this is where the idea of the, the ugly theatre, the grotesque theatre yeah. comes in because you're viewing these characters that you don't like. You instantly probably don't like how they speak, how they talk, how they treat mm. each other, how, especially all the males, how they treat females like some piece of meat yeah. that they're just going to sleep with and they're there to uh, cook and clean for them or, or whatever you know it's very much the psychology of abuse yeah definitely and how they treat people and you get a, a sense of it's almost a gang culture as well it was like a, a ganging up on that one person mm. in a nice it's hard to say it, but it was not it was not there was no harshness in that gang culture it's just that many people in one room fulfilling their needs basically it's probably the equivalent of saying um all the males were chauvinistic in a way this day and age you'd probably say it's not as if the men that are in this play are misogynistic in any way the more chauvinistic with their approach to female women that they that they know either that being the girlfriends where anyone can have a go, a sexual object or exploiting them, yeah. putting them in like prostitutes. And it also brings in a element of a class system yeah, as well with this, where we're looking at these are the, the, the lower class. Do you think it was well directed? Yes. It was directed by Jamie Glover, who's an actor in his own right. I think it was uh, directed really well and true to the sort of Pinter way. It was very thorough. You could tell yes. that this actor, the, um, the director, uh, Jamie Glover, knows Pinter, knows yes. how to act. But also, I would say he was an actor's director. Yes, he knows he was. how to direct actors and what they want from and it, it the was, text. It was really interesting because he talked about pauses and he held, the way it was directed was he held, he made people pause for just that length of time that was slightly awkward. So it felt real felt suspenseful like yeah as well. it was that it was like almost the intrigue and the because you can use a pause for suspense yes. as to what's going to happen but also to utilize the pauses for comedic effect yeah something happens we're seeing this woman because in one particular scene they're all talking about ruth yes basically and then they stop talking because we see her walk down now yeah. because the stairs are excessive with yeah. these stairs Nobody spoke. We just watched her walk down slowly, step by step by step, yeah. until she got to the bottom before she spoke. Now, an inexperienced actor or a director would panic. Yes. Oh, my God. There's a, not, there's a no, gap there's here. Silence. Need, yeah, too there's silent. silence. I can't handle this. But that's why you utilise an understanding mm, pinter. Definitely. As to... But it's also a way to seduce the audience into the well, yeah. piece yeah. it's to draw you in and, and well, it's if it's done wrong you're wanting you, yeah, to it's... find out more moving on now do you know what we're here for i think we're here for the drama so richard was there any um, outstanding performances uh, with this one i mean overall the casting was exceptional as in they all had their parts and they all played their characters really well i don't think there was a bad one in the bunch to be quite honest because for me joey um i mean some people would watch the car the cast and watch the production and see joey as being that character that doesn't really say a lot he doesn't really say he's he's a boxer he's he's sort of there all the time however 
that part is just as important as the main part. And one thing I would say is because, say, Matthew Horne was in it, people would associate that with a really good actor and would would say that he was the best out of all of them. But I felt that they all blended really well where nobody upstaged anybody. I think they all performed their characters really well. I'd second that, actually. I think... Um... Uh, Keith Allen suits Max Definitely, really well. Really well. You know, so can I say that he was um, uh, he was outstanding? Well, it's slightly difficult because he's that kind of role. Mm, he's definitely. that kind of uh, actor for that. Yeah. If he was playing a different role, then it's easy to find those outstanding actors. Definitely. If that makes any yeah, sense. Yeah, yeah, it does. It really does. But because he was perfect for the role, I believed in him and I believe his portrayal. And he, he did no give doubt. a strong performance. I did every single one of them. I believed in all of them. However, the reason why I can say Matthew Horne was quite outstanding was because, like you say, we'd seen him or I'd seen him in uh, comedy roles. Yeah. But he played that role of Lenny exceptionally well. Yeah, it did. Because of the writing and the dialogue, I, his character was just spot on, yeah. being completely different really to what I've ever seen before. Yeah. So that's why he stands out a little bit more, yeah. because I know of him. Yeah, of course. Yeah. And his portrayal was completely different than what I'd seen him in. Whereas the others, well, I've not seen them. No, to, of course not. To compare... But no. the, every single one of them really gave a strong, solid performance. Yeah. I think for me, they all seem relaxed into their characters. There was no element of yes. of sort of hesitation I, because the pauses aren't a hesitation. No. The pauses are part of the script. The It was the hesitation of their character and there was none of that. It was they mm. were all the characters on stage. You didn't think about their, their real names or their real people. They no, were the they, characters. They, they knew their characters. They yeah. knew the style. Yes. They knew one. the play. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. And what about the the props and the costumes? Because sometimes we don't always talk about them. No, and I think this is where everything on stage was used and utilised. Every little piece, that everything you saw on stage was used and... I'm, sh- I'm pretty sure... They were smoking real cigars and cigarettes. Yes. I'm not. I don't know if it was. But... Yeah, I mean, there were, there were, there was even if they were herbal cigarettes or herbal cigars. It was very convincing. They were very convincing, and they added to the sense that this in the 30s, it was a, it was a very well known fact that most people smoked. It was, it was part of culture. Well, you were odd but if you, you didn't. Yeah, exactly. And I think I felt with the smoke and the, the use of the smoking, buildings were soaked in nicotine. Mm. wherever you went in those days it was you know it wouldn't be surprised if all the walls were yellow anyway Mm. because that was part of the culture of life it was coal fires it was smoke there were there was no central heating there was no you know people lived in that way at at all times so it was it was just part of like making a cup of tea they'd light a fag up It, it was that sort of it was that and you saw with the smoke it just uh went straight up yeah so it didn't disperse into the audience or anywhere no. else. So it just became part of the. It almost became part of the scenery where they were in a haze of smoke, and that gave you that feeling as it might have not been intentional. However, 
It felt intentional. Well, because the back wall was just so long. Yeah. It, because it just went continually up and then the stairs going up as well. Yeah. All you saw was the smoke being lit. Yeah. And you saw it just float all the way above yeah. their heads going yeah. Into up the and sky. up and up, straight up. Up into the upstairs. In, in and one it just linear movement. Yeah. And even if somebody was smoking at one side of stage or the other, it still went up to that central point and it looked really just, it just, it became part of that production. Now moving on to our final segment. What the tech is this? Richard, what do we think about the sound and the lighting and uh, all that jazz? Well, all I'll say is if anybody wants to know how to produce a play and be very specific in lighting and sound that feels real and just subtle to the point of you just feel like you sat in that front room with them i think you know the day and night changes by Mm. the lighting just so many simple things and the sound as well the sound i mean i'll talk about the sound first because there was sound changes in there was some stuff that was done real so some of the sound effects were done very Victorian style where you'd got doors shut in and, and things off stage being rustled in boxes where it sounded like and the cutlery the was and washing well. the dishes and yeah. things were happening. But the doors opening and shutting was a real door. So it had that natural sound. There was no there and was no elements unnatural of, Elements of the sound outside. Of course, yes, yeah, definitely. As well. but, but also two elements of the sound outside. You could almost hear a muffled version of a the odd car going mm. past because we're in the 30s, there weren't that many cars around, mm. but you'd have the odd car going past, but then when the door was opened, it was slightly more there was more noise. Yeah. And it and you know, it, it it expanded that world beyond those windows and that door. Yeah. Um and then with the sound effects on the interv- the uh, the build up to the opening of the production and in the interval and then in the scene changes where there were sharp shocks of sound there was nothing oh, yeah, grand yeah. but it was a sharp shock of heavy noise that just like almost white noise but but with a with a aggressiveness. I think that leads with the um coldness and the unpleasantness yes. of what you're watching. So it's like bang this is this scene. Yeah. Take it in. Bang this is the next scene. Yeah. This is what yeah. this is. Yeah. You know uh, it just left you. Um, it sucks you in. Adds in, yeah, and it adds into that um, unnervingness yeah. of sort of exciting but intrigued. Definitely, because you, you had to pay attention. Yeah, it refocused yes. you every time. It was like a little short, sharp shock that got you back into the next scene. I mean, lighting wise, I'd say it was just done in such a calm way. Mm. I mean, even to the element of there was a big ball glass light, very Art Deco. Mm. Uh, above the stage and it was done in effect of that would be the only electric light as well as two lamps in the in the room yeah they'd even put some haze on the back wall to make it look like that light was creating that glow Mm. and but also when they went to a nighttime scene all the lights were off and then somebody opened a door at the top of the stairs and there was just that little bit of light and it'll just be a door or something built upstairs where when they open that door that light naturally comes through so it actually looks attention to detail in every aspect the sound the light the set the The, costumes the the window from the outside when the sun came in there was one scene in the morning that was an early morning scene and the light just came leaking through the window through the breakup of the natural window there was no gobos inside there was no mm. there was no focused lights to create a, a shadow on the floor it came through that window and, and that, also when they opened the the front door yeah um you actually got embossed on to the uh the back wall yeah the reflection of the light as if yeah. it as it moved yeah 
Yeah, exactly. Because that had stained glass in as well, you could see a little yeah, tiny the, ripple. Yeah. There was no, there wasn't. It wasn't. It, there's nothing focused about it, but that's how it would look when the light naturally comes through. So a big shout out to uh, Joanna Town, who was a lighting designer on this one. Definitely, definitely. Yes. And, and I suppose um, Liz Ashcroft, Liz Ashcroft, the designer for the set. Yeah. This was amazing. Totally. This was. This is how it should be done. If you're yes. going to do a classic piece, this is how to set the scene. Yeah, and this is the approach you have to take with any theatre. It's like if you're gonna do it, do it well. And this is. It was obvious that they were very restrained in how they approached this, and they mm. were very specific because that's what this needed. It has got to enhance the cast, and it did that. Yes, and I think we ought to give a sh shout out to the sound designer, Max Pappenheim. Yes, I think I pronounced your name right. <laughs> I think I have, but you know, yeah, this was a uh, like an, the A team behind this. Yeah, show. it was. It was. You know, it yeah. really was uh, superb. Definitely. Do you think there was any technical issues on the night? I didn't notice any. No, nothing. I think wrong because or it was so intense. I think you you would have seen anything go wrong. Yeah, my only gripe. Uh, we're going to see this uh, production. Would be the rustling of sweets in the audience. <laughs> Honest to God. The, yeah. the woman next to me, she opened up a handbag. I thought she was getting a knitting out. Yeah, exactly. She was like rustling, looking for stuff. Fidgeting. Yeah. And this is the kind of play where you need to concentrate and, and yeah. you need to look at what they're doing. I mean, we were sat at the back row. Yeah, we were fixed, you know. Yes. And uh, everyone was uh, coughing, moving moving the seats or they were fidgeting around because of all the seats in the curve <laughs> they were all on one track so when somebody's moving and bouncing up and down your seat's moving and bouncing around as well so you're yeah. you're just aware so, that other people are fidgeting yeah. and it's a distraction yeah and with all the pausing as well there is a lot of uh coughs but i think that's the thing with a say a pinter play some audiences are so used to just watching tv at home and they go to watch something like this. And yeah, they, this is not your Love Island kind of uh, not, production, this. This, you is, know. this is very... I mean, you could compare it to, say, Big Brother because you're literally staying at one room for the whole production and it is a very much a stuck-in-a-box production, but that's the whole point. You know, you're seeing something change all in the one room. In, there's no movement in it, you know. And also, I would say, the way it's done, it's... You're, like... The audience members or voyeurs yes. of what is happening. You're very on stage. fly on the wall. You're so very, it's almost like it, you're in that. You're on yes, the, in but that it, room. it's done in like it's made to be that you are distanced yes. from this production and for you not to warm to it or like it yeah. in any way. It's like a gross, disgusting yes. sort of a, a yeah. thing, even the topics or whatever. It's almost like you're watching a um, an interview in an interview room with behind the glass, hmm. where you can watch it and you can listen. And you're not allowed to leave in a way, and it, it in a good, it, it, and that's the whole point, you know. Yeah. Now for our ratings, as we say, call this a show. So, Richard, what's your final thoughts to sum up this show of the Homecoming? Well, it's the first time I've seen this production, and I've not really heard of the Homecoming, so I thought it was a very thought-provoking piece of theatre because I think you forget that in that era things like this happened, and you forget that this is something that that would have gone off and I think because it was a retrospective written piece from the 60s it was done to have impact yes I think this is um of the time quite grotesque and brutal yeah with its approach I like the fact that uh, stylistically it's done with the audience in mind to be distanced yeah and that every part of this production had been gone through with a very fine tooth comb 
Yeah. And attention to detail is spot on. And I cannot fault this production no, at all. Not at all. I, I imagine this is pretty much how it would have been done when it was first done. Yeah, and I think it's a production that goes there. It makes you, towards the end, it makes you feel awkward and it makes you question things, Hmm. which is what a production like this is meant to do. Yeah, it's quite thought-provoking on how you treat women, especially. Or If you come out of it feeling uncomfortable, the writer's done his job. Yes. Because it makes you you realise what what went off. And I really like the, um, the dialogue. Yeah. This there was an intensity that, that you, it's hard to explain unless you see it. Yeah, quite poetic. Yeah, definitely. In that way. So, our scoring system here for this one, Richard. On a scale of one being complete cabbage and ten being supercalifragilisticexpialidocious, what are you going to give this one, please? I would give it a nine because I feel that it was intense. It was a piece of theatre that not everybody's going to like, but I think it provoked thoughts that a lot of other productions don't do and i think that says a lot so for me it definitely deserves a nine for the performances and the efforts that went involved i'd probably not give it a 10 just because i didn't get up on my feet and i didn't i didn't sort of applause it in that way so that's why i go for a nine but that's only because that's the type of theater it is it doesn't leave you to to stand up and and clap because you're still trying to process what you've seen so that might, that's where I'm going. I understand that, which is why I'm going to score this production of The Homecoming a 10, simply because I can't fault any piece of this. No. Nope. I can't fault the writing. I can't fault the direction. No. Nope. The sound, the lighting, the props, the costume, everything for this play was spot on. Yeah. And... If at any time I felt unnerved or awkward or suspenseful or felt weird about it, that's because of the style of the play, which means for what Harold Pinter intended to do, he's achieved that. And so has Jamie Glover in making me feel that way towards this show. And still doing. (laughs) Exactly. Now, that being said, even though I gave it a 10, would I come and see this show again? No. And simply I agree be- with that. Simply because I think everyone needs to go and see a Pinter play, mm-hmm. especially if they're yep. studying drama yep. or acting in it. I, wa- I don't want to waste my time going to see a play that I've already seen. Yes. I want, to, especially unless it's going to entertain me in a different way. Yeah. If I want to see another Pinter play, then that's different. Yes. But I think these are the kind of plays that I'd only want to see once. Yes. I've had my little homecoming fix. Yeah. I won't want to see it again, but that's not to discredit the people involved or the play itself. Not it's, at all. It's definitely one to see. Mm. I totally agree with that. So I if mean... you haven't seen it and it does come up in the future, go and see it. Yeah. So, Richard, what sound effects are you going to give this one, please? So, what sound effect will you be choosing from the following? A complete train wreck. Tumbleweed. An audible shrug of the shoulders. Uh-huh. A slow clap. A pleasant applause or a standing ovation. What will it be? Well, it's got to be a standing ovation. It couldn't be anything else. As I said before, I may have not stood up in the audience and and, and, and give my applause, but that's only because I was still processing what I've just seen. So, yeah, it's time, it's needed, and it's that's a standing ovation from me. Agreed, and I kept processing it all the way home, so... Mm. 
for that, it's a standing ovation and yes, agreed. So there we are. That's our discussion of the homecoming. We hope you found it insightful, if not entertaining. Coming up over the next few episodes, we will be discussing the new production of The Rise and Fall of Little Voice, Boeing Boeing and Blood Brothers. That's it for this week, folks. If you'd like to drop us a message, please email us at upstagedownstagepod at gmail.com. Remember, you can always join in the chat to share with us your views on a production. Also, make sure to like and subscribe to our channel so you get every episode the second it's released. And we hope you join us again for another instalment of Upstage Downstage. <laughs>